Main Street to Wall Street. Global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. And you've all heard the phrase, show me the money. We've all heard that from that very iconic movie. Well, today's guest was the CEO of Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which served as the inspiration for the film, Jerry Maguire. You had me at hello. So currently he is this co-founder of Sports One Marketing and his mission in life is to empower over a billion people. That's with a B, people to be happy. Well, Dave Meltzer's mission has led him to provide one thing and that's value. How can we as executive leaders provide value to our teams and communities where we're going to talk about that as David is going to talk to us about how we can enhance our connections to maximize impact and why we should always play offense to become purposeful. Hey, David, good to have you here on the show. Oh, it's great to be here. Great to see you. Thank you so, so much. You know, every time you and I get together, I think we just never want to turn off the mics or at least never want to stop talking because we always have a lot of fun and we learn a lot. You're one of those kind of guys, David, I got to say this, that I get a lot of energy from. And I don't always get that with a lot of interviews, but you just have that kind of personality. And I want to thank you for your friendship over these years. Oh, I reciprocate all the time. I love coming on here, love seeing you, talking to you and feel the same way. There's not enough time in an interview or a day to hang out with Jeffrey Hazlett. So thank well, you. you know, a lot of our calls, most people probably don't even know, are usually about eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, because that's usually the only time you and I got some free time where we can just chat. Hey, I want to talk about your mission and creating value. You told me once you were on a mission to help people be happy because happiness isn't bought. What got you what got you started with this, David? You know, it was my relationship to money. I grew up with no money, poor Akron, Ohio kid with a single mom, six kids who packed my dinner in a paper bag so she could work two jobs, filled up turnstiles at the 7-Eleven with greeting cards. And I just wanted to buy my mom a house and a car. The good part about that is I learned what money could do. The problem was I grew up with such a loving family that the only thing that was missing in my life was money. So I had the wrong energy, the wrong definition of money. And I thought money would buy me love and happiness, the missing piece of my life that would stop all the financial frustrations that my poor mom went through. Uh, but through a series of events, making millions of dollars, I made a, my first million nine months out of law school, multimillionaire by 30. I ran Samsung's phone division and then running the most notable sports agency in the world. Not only was I a multimillionaire, but I had access to everything and everyone. And that's a dangerous conver- uh, a, a com- combination but it's also a great recipe to learn about your relationship for money. And so I learned that I wasn't a victim, that I didn't have to live in a world of not enough. I especially wasn't living in the world where I was buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like, which a lot of people do. uh, And I did for years, but I learned about this abundant world with faith. And the two currencies I learned about was, of course, money, an object of energy that I put into the flow to get what I want. And if you buy the right things with money, you will be happy, but it has to be blended with faith. And my faith was a currency, an object of energy that I put into the flow to get what I want, that there's enough of everything for everyone, more than enough of everything for everyone. And instead of giving to receive as a trade, I started to receive so I could give. And that paradigm shift changed changed my perspective 
perspective, but still created more abundance than ever. I actually lost all my money in the interim over a hundred million dollars and made it back through this new perspective. You know, you talk about faith. Is it faith or is it spiritualness? You know, I think they're intertwined with each other to understand having faith. You have to understand being in spirit, inspired. Uh, and the meaning to that for me is that I'm always connected to and through this great source of spirit, meaning that I am healthy. I am wealthy. I am worthy. I am happy. What am I doing to interfere with what I already am? And instead of trying to go get happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy, I stem from a point of faith or spirituality that I already am connected to and through all this. And when I'm not having it or feeling it, I shift the paradigm to see what I'm doing to interfere with it. Yeah. You, you, now you get me thinking about a whole bunch of different things. First of all, when you said you wanted to buy your mom's a house, I remember the first time I was 14, finished a big job and I got paid $48 for digging a ditch, digging a ditch. And I remember the first thing I did was run over to Belk's department store and buy my mom a gift, buy my brother a gift, buy my sister a gift. And I bought myself a sleeping bag. I had $48 in my pocket. I remember that. So that, that's that. Uh, thank you for inspiring that kind of message. But you're also leading me to remember Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. And he said, you, you had to have four things. You have to have, you had to have spirit, some kind of spiritualness of spirit. You had to have good friends, your family, and then of work. And so you had to have that balance between the four. And I think that's what you're saying is you got to have a good balance. Yeah. And it can be a weighted balance. I think a lot of people put a unrealistic approach to balancing their inventory of who they are, the personal values they have, the experiential values they have, the giving values that they have and the receiving. I think more people have a problem receiving, especially kids that grew up like you and I, we have to work through over the years, our ability not to feel guilty uh, about receiving. And I think during the pandemic, I saw a lot of people have to reconcile their relationship with money because they were afraid to pe- to tell people that they were doing well. This doing is well. Been, that was right, a real right, tough this thing. The best year of my life was through yeah. the pandemic. And I'm not afraid to tell people that because I can't give what I don't have. And I want more people to do well, but I'm not going to uh, dim my light, you know, to make other people feel good. Feeling bad makes no one feeling good. You can't be poor enough to make someone rich, but you can be rich enough to make others rich. Yeah. So I, there's another word that you just used and I think providing the, and it's a word value. So I think providing value has increased significantly post COVID. So what does your play look like, look like to increase the value you provide for clients, team members in the community? Well, first, knowing my values. So I live by gratitude, which gives me perspective, the ability to learn to love what I do. Uh, I believe that there's love in everything and that instead of trying to find something that you love to do, learn to love what you're doing. There's love in everything. And then forgiveness is key to be able to forgive ourselves because there's so much interference we cause in our lives. Peace comes from forgiveness. And my ultimate goal is to forgive the unforgivable. And then accountability gives me control. You know, especially during COVID, people felt out of control with the extraordinary change. You have control of your mindset, your heart set, and what you think, say, and do. And we do that through accountability. What did I do to attract this to myself? And what am I supposed to learn from it? And then effective 
communication, which causes motivation and inspiration. Motivation gets you up, gets you back up, gets you started, gets you restarted, but inspiration will get you there. And you need to live inspired with that great light and love. And then once you know your values, I have five simple daily practices. I know my what, I know my who, I know my how, I know my now, and then I apply the why. And it's a five-step personal uh, daily practices that allow me to provide value through me with appreciation, forgiveness, and accountability and inspiration to others. Yeah, so core values that we deliver, at least in terms of benefits in the C-suite network, is always about education, motivation, inspiration, a a little bit of monetization as well. You know, one and one of the big things that we do in the C-suite network that we practice, David, is giving. You've got to give. You can't just come and show up and say, "Hey, what's in it for me?" You got to give. C-suite radio. As I'm listening to you, dude, I mean, I've known you for a while, and you were one of those ball busting, hard charging. Uh, pretty much, I'm going to say, you know, toting the back few, you know, the epitome of what an agent is. And now you're sitting here talking to me about spirituality and inner peace and giving and taking care of others. What the hell happened? Yeah. And I was, you know, at times I was good intentions, like a lot of people, but not living my life in the right way. Uh, How did you find that? How did you find you know, like, like people say that to me too, David, they say, Jeff, you seem like you're real comfortable with who you are. Well, I, it took me a while, like a lot of people, <laughs> but once it was there, it was like, holy crap, I'm glad I finally got here. Right. Yeah. And my wife, my wife, uh, you know, beyond some of my family, but my wife really was a catalyst. Uh, she was always very spiritual as much money and success that I had. She would always remind me how lost I was, you know, and she would tell me you're so lost. And then finally one day she had had it. I had, you know, lied to her one too many times. I was drinking too much, not paying attention to my family. Uh, a lot of times we use these values of society as, uh, things to hide who we are. Mm. Beautiful homes, lots of money, great fancy cars. Yeah. Yeah. All career success, happy family. Look, I had a, a very happy family. And we use that to disguise the fact that we're empty, shallow, and unhappy. I tell people all the time, I was a multimillionaire. Everybody wanted my job. Everybody wanted the access that I had. And I was miserable every day hiding behind the cloak of these false, you know, representations of who I was. So when my wife, who I've known since the fourth grade, that I have been in love with since sixth grade camp when she rejected me for going steady. But it took me till I was 26 years old to go out with her. Uh, when she told me she wasn't happy and I better take stock in who I was, I immediately paid attention. My initial reaction was blame, shame, and justification, disbelief, anger. But when I sat down and thought about what my wife was saying and what I was losing and where I had changed. She told me, take stock in who you were and what you want to become or else I'm leaving you and you may end up dead. And I did it. And I took it seriously. I outlined my values and it's a practice, Jeffrey, as you know, we, I didn't change overnight. It's been 16 years of learning and making more mistakes and keep on learning. But I will tell you now that I'm far better than I used to be. And I know tomorrow I'll be better than I was today. 
See, everybody, his wife was practicing good conditions of satisfaction. If you don't do this, I'm out. I'm done. And we all have to have those things for our lives. We have to have them certainly for our business. David, hey, your your background in sports marketing has allowed you to rub elbows with some of the biggest names in sports and not biggest names anywhere, quite frankly. One of your books is titled Game Time Decision Making, which is teaching others how to position themselves for success. What was your biggest takeaway from writing that book about being successful? You know, we're always showing people here how to use your content, how to use you to sell you the brand of you. So what was your biggest takeaway of that? Radical humility. Mm. It's amazing that the greatest people who provide the most value and are capable of articulating the value to exceed what we're asking for, which is the formula of success in game time business planning and game time business success. but It takes humility. Why? Because we need to, one, be more interested than interesting. So we have to be humble enough to learn about the people that we're serving. And then two, we have to ask for help. In order to be successful at anything that you do, you need to be humble enough to realize you don't know what you don't know. And the fastest way to get to where you want to be is find someone. This is why I like hanging out with you. Find someone who sits in the situation I want to be in and ask them for directions. And I love both sides of that fence, but to live in humility, to know that I don't know what I don't know, to be humble and in in gracious and in gratitude about all the help, not only that I'm giving, but even more importantly, the one in the help that I need to receive to be successful. Do you find it surprising? I mean, a lot of times, you know, look, we, we do pretty well at what we do and we're known for it. We have our own TV shows, our own podcasts. We're doing stuff really well. Books are going great. We're, you know, people were recognizable. You know, I was in a boardroom at a corporation yesterday. And somebody walked in and go, you're Jeff Hazlett. Yes, I am. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and, but, but there are many times. Wait, wait, I have I to read- interrupt. We're, we're like housewives. Have you ever noticed that? They're like, <laughs> Hey, how's Julie doing? You're like, ah, I don't know you. Yeah. But yeah. it, the media is amazing. Go ahead. Exactly. Media is good. But there are a lot of times, though, David, I I just pick up the phone and call somebody to ask their opinion about something or how to do it because I think they're the best at what they're doing. And they're always somewhat surprised that we that I would be calling. But you sound like that kind of guy, too. Oh, I have a template. I'd love to teach everyone. I know the value that you bring with the C-suite network. And my template is this. I call people and ask them, hey, you're so successful, Jeff. Tell me what you're doing today. And then I say, what do you like about it? And then you tell me, and then I say, what don't you like about it? And when you tell me what you don't like about it, I may actually be able to reciprocate and give you some ideas and say, hey, would it help you if you did this? And mm. now we're collaborating. We're, we're joining forces again. And then beyond that, I even have a further question. Do you know anyone else that can help me? Because I know people of like minds attract people of like minds, open minds, open hearts and open hands. And I'm just extending and accelerating my network to an exponential uh, number, especially you and I are old enough. A network back when we were young, we were lucky if we could get a golf game, a men's group, a church group. Now, you know, my 11 year old has like 1500 followers. If you're not asking, do you know anyone to help me? You are cutting off your hands despite your face. Yeah, got to use that, got to use that network, power of affiliation, power of other people. That's big. You know, and change is constant in business. You know, uh, how have you been able to lead this last 12 months, you know, with your company? Because many businesses are struggling to pivot back to whatever their new normal is. What does your new normal look like right now? 
Well, for me, it was, you can't find outside of yourself what you can't find inside. And that applies to a business as well. So I think taking inventory of what I had control of, my mindset, my heart set, my skills, my knowledge of not only what, but who, and also my desire, and then seeing how it aligned synergistically or supplementary to three things. See, with great change comes great opportunity. So I wanted to align all those things with one, what's doing well today or during the pandemic, then also what was stable, Mm. things that hadn't changed in the last 10 years, even, even the pandemic didn't change them. And then also look to see what I thought would do well in the future because of the pandemic or not because of the pandemic, just things I saw, you know, like esports or online gambling. And these are things in my space that I have an expertise about. And so I leaned in to the things that were doing well. I made sure I had enough things that were stable. And I took a couple lottery tickets on gambling and esports to see if I couldn't take advantage of the one thing that nobody likes except for a wet baby. And that's change. (laughs) That's true. So listen, I know that you're the belief based on the discussions we've had in the past that everyone should be aligned with John Wooden's pyramid of success. Why, Why do you believe that and explain some of those principles? Yeah. In those principles of understanding is really the practice mindset you know, through leadership, through abundance, Mm -hmm. through discipline, through strategy, through awareness in these seven principles in the pyramid of success. And the pyramid is so powerful, by the way, I was blessed to work with Andrew Luck, the famous quarterback, when he was at Stanford for his senior day with George Whitfield and Warren Moon. And in the cafeteria at Stanford, John Wooden's pyramid, their biggest competitor, the icon of UCLA, his pyramid of success was at Stanford. This is the power of information and openness and abundance that they would be open-mindedness to teach these things that are the criteria. I have based my five daily practices of understanding how to be strategic, disciplined, and aware by being inspired, by being abundant. All of these things that John Wooden talked, you know, John Wooden used to have people practice tying their shoes. And the reason was, is that if they practice tying their shoes, more injuries were caused because people didn't wear their tennis shoes correctly. Mm. And he was so detailed oriented, so prepared, practice. And where, and where I got my famous, for me, definition of happiness and success, what I try to teach and empower people to live by is one, just enjoy the consistent every day, persistent without quit pursuit of your potential, not what other people want for you, not what's missing in your life, not what you don't want, which is where 90% of the people focus their lives on what other people want for them, what they don't want or what's missing. But instead, John Wooden teaches us to enjoy the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of your own potential. And if you do that, I promise you, you will attract everything you desire rapidly and accurately and be happy. C-Suite Radio. Speaking about practice and pursuit and following that, I saw that you tweeted, a habit is your ability to repeat a skill. You can't build and gain skills without consistent behavior. What was the most difficult skill you had to build for yourself? (laughs) The actual consistent habit machine was the, the skill. See, what happened was 
I wanted to change my life through gratitude. And I have been blessed as, as you, you know, to be around the world thought leaders. I'm on the transformational Deepak Chopra, Oprah Winfrey, you know, Jack Canfield, I've written a book with. And every single one of them, when it came down to it, have some sort of gratitude practice. Mm-hmm. So I decided that if I could say thank you before I went to bed and when I woke up for 30 straight days, that it would change my life. And then I would teach other people for 0.1 seconds for free to say, thank you. It took me nine months. It took me nine months because I always forgot, you know, one night, one morning, something else. And I realized that the greatest habit had to be, I had to create a system or a habit machine because if I could be consistent at saying thank you or reading the course in miracles or exercising every day or stretching or whatever, or, you know, my favorite prayer in the morning, I pray for at least 10 people in the world that I can help. I want, you know, God to give me at least 10 people, but I forgot some days my, my favorite prayer. Well, if I don't have the skills to do things every day, I never can accomplish exponentially. I can never receive the compound interest of positive behavior that habits allow us to have. And that is where my life changes. When I started really focusing in on a step ahead of my habits, actually creating a habit machine, because once I built the muscle that I can do anything every day, now I can effectuate the results that I want in my life. Do you, do you Are you a list maker? Do you have to like write, write, write a list of those things? Do you cross them off? Is- I, I use, I'm a student of my calendar. I use yeah. the mathematical equation of luck. I believe what you pay attention to plus what you give intention to, meaning think, say, do, believe, equals the coincidences in my life. So what I do is I create lists about activities in my calendar, activities I get paid for, activities I don't get paid for, activities I planned, activities I don't have planned. And the biggest paradigm shift in my life is I start my day at 9 p.m. Now, that doesn't mean I wake up at 9 p.m. What I do is I create an unwinding routine at 9 p.m. That's the start of my day where I put my body, my mind, and my soul in a position to recover and access or download information while I sleep so that instead of like 99% of the people in the world, they live the myth of Sisyphus and Camus Stranger. Remember, he pushed the boulder to the top of the hill just to have it roll down every morning. That's where people live their lives as tubes you know, food in, food out. I change that by having an unwinding routine. I plateau and grow every day because when I wake up at 4am, I'm at my highest frequency. I'm at a baseline that I use to grow from. I don't start my days at the bottom of the hill just to be stuck and rewind my whole life like Groundhog's Day. Yeah. I like the gratitude. You know, we do in our thought council, which is our group of the greatest thought leaders uh, in the industry. And so we get together on a regular basis as part of our thought council, which the councils are peer-to-peer councils, or many of us would know as masterminds. And we get together. And one of the good exercises that we do is we talk about the things we're grateful for. And again, to share that. And so we manifest that and that helps us by manifesting it, it becomes real. You know, I also get speaking of gratitude, and that's why I wanted to get to this point. You also have four overachieving principles, gratitude, empathy, accountability, and effective communication. Is there a problem for many leaving room for misinterpretation? How does one become um, a great and effective communicator? Yeah, I think understanding the things that were connected to and through. So when I thought of communication, when I first wrote these, when my wife was the catalyst, I put effective communication, meaning I wanted to motivate and inspire other people. 
But what I didn't realize is what I was connected to. See, I only saw the mountains in front of me and I was going to help people and myself get over the mountain, around the mountain, through the mountain, under the mountain, until I realized effective communication really meant first to communicate effectively with that which made the mountain. See, that which made the mountain in front of me is inside of me and beside me at all time. And I didn't have that relationship before. I was great at effectively motivating and inspiring others by overselling them, back-end selling them, lying to them, cheating, manipulating them, which is inherent in my quantum being because I've inherited that from family members, generations, probably past lives. But once I realized that I was connected to this higher powers of light, love and lessons. And it's not in a religious aspect. I support anyone's religion. I'm talking about the power that exists in and through us that we can liberate ourselves and others with, that we are the creative source that created these mountains. So we don't have to create these void shortages and obstacles like mountains in order to be happy. Yeah, well, we're not our own planets. We live in a bigger universe. And so we got to remember that we're all part of that. We're all stars connected together. We should say we call ourselves stars, not planets, not big orbs, but just planets. You know, I was I, I mentioned before we got on that I'm working on, on a board of a new company that is a very high growth tech company and a retail. Uh, it's actually a gun retailer. And so I'm working with them on some things that I said to them today, hey, Quit living these stories. You guys are living in stories. Let's get right to the real truth. You're very successful. And I know that you've been able to tell uh, things in your podcast and your shows of being a lifelong owner. I saw one of your videos on social media where you said, stop lying to yourself. <laughs> what have you lied about yourself about? Oh my goodness. I have lied to myself. I got a big list on that one. Myself. Yeah, I got a big list. Well, the first is how happy I was. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. And then two, I lied to myself of what was important to me. Then I lied to myself how I define myself. There was a long period of time in my life that the definition of my worthiness was my bank account. If that mm -hmm. bank account went up, man, I was worthy. When I lost a deal, it went down. I wasn't worried. I also lied about the interference I was creating to my health. I think one of the most dangerous lies that I told because I was drinking too much. I was partying too much. I, I, I was lying about my own health, my own existence. And, you know, just that lie alone. Remember, health to me is so important. It's a non-negotiable prioritize even before my family, uh, because if I can't take care of myself. I can't take care of other people. But when you're healthy, you get as many wishes a day as you want. It's abundant. It's infinite. It's limitless what we can wish for. When you're unhealthy, you only have one wish. Yeah. And this became one of the biggest lies that I had to change. And I make sure every day I have a minimum of an hour a day I spend on my health, a minimum amount of time I spend with my family, a minimum amount of time I spend studying my calendar. Those are the three non-negotiables of an adaptable routine, no matter what interference or things occur in my life that aren't planned. Exactly. Amen, brother. Well, I tell you, I want to keep going. But I can't. And the reason I can't is there's so many questions. There's so many more people, David, that want to ask questions. Thank you so much for sharing this with me today. I appreciate it. It's been just a pleasure to have you on the show and being a part of All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.